0: Welcome to the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Mike Frattentoro with RT Magazine back for another pulmonology news update. This week, the respiratory world is focused on San Francisco, where the American Thoracic Society is hosting its 102nd annual meeting. On today's episode, we look at some of the notable research being presented at ATS 2022. A study conducted by scientists from Evelina Children's Hospital in London reports that hospitalized children covered by Medicaid who reside in the poorest U.S. neighborhoods are at increased risk of pediatric ICU admission and mortality. The research, presented at ATS 2022, also found higher mortality rates among Black children treated in pediatric ICUs. Presenting author Dr. Hannah Mitchell said, quote, We decided to conduct this study because there is already substantial evidence of increased rates of PICU admission in children coming from underserved areas but currently no studies looking at whether children coming from these areas are at higher risk of death. She continued, we felt this was an important area to investigate to help us understand which children we care for in the pediatric ICU are at highest risk. Mitchell and her team used Medicaid claims data from 12 U.S. states and cross-referenced patients by zip code and family income to classify patients into four poverty quartiles. According to the data, there were over 274,000 pediatric ICU admissions, the median age of PICU patients was four years old. 68.5% of patients had a com- had a chronic complex condition. Most PICU patients were identified as white, 43.5%, or black, 32.1%. Patients with the highest mortality were from the higher poverty quartile, and those in the lower poverty quartile had the lowest mortality rate. Black children had the highest odds of both PICU admission and PICU mortality. Dr. Mitchell concluded, Quote, it is clear that children living in underserved areas in racial or ethnic minority groups are at higher risk of death in intensive care. It is important that doctors working in this field understand this and, and investigate why this is happening. Understanding the scale of the problem, whether it is worth it worse in some regions, and thinking about why it exists are first steps towards addressing it. E-cigarette makers are adding potentially dangerous levels of synthetic cooling agents to disposable vaping products sold in the United States. According to research presented at ATS 2022, the chemicals, WS3 and WS23, are vaping additives that produce a cooling effect similar to mint and menthol-flavored e-cigarettes. Researchers say there is very limited knowledge about the content of synthetic coolants in e-cigarettes marketed in the U.S. or about their health risks. Scientists collected and analyzed e-cigarettes and refillable e-liquids sold in the U.S. They detected WS-3 in 24 of the 25 refillable e-liquids they identified. They also found that 13 out of 14 disposable puff bar flavor varieties contained WS-23. Five of these 14 disposable puff bar flavors also contained WS-3. To determine the health risks of exposure to the cooling agents, researchers used a metric called margin of exposure or MOE. In short, an MOE score of 100 or greater is considered acceptable exposure. Meanwhile, an MOE score less than 100 indicates increased health risk. The analysis of the vaped e-liquids found MOE scores below 100 for most levels of daily vaping. Specifically, MOE scores for WS23 from 11 of 13 puff bar products were less than 100 in all use scenarios. Presenting author Dr. Sven Jort from Duke University School of Medicine said, quote, our measurements and calculations demonstrate that e-cigarette users inhale WS3 and WS23 at levels higher than those considered safe by the World Health Organization with the potential to cause organ toxicity. Regulators such as the FDA should consider reviewing product safety of puff bar vaping devices and e-cigarette refill liquids we tested. According to researchers, Puffbar was designed as a disposable e-cigarette to evade the FDA's regulation of, quote, pod devices such as Juul, which use exchangeable cartridges. If you're wondering how e-cigarette manufacturers are able to add the cooling agents in unsafe levels, researchers explain that WS3 and WS23 are regulated by the FDA as food additives, but not for inhalation. Dr. Jort warned, quote, E-cigarette manufacturers are flying blind by adding these chemicals. Research presented at ATS 2022 warns against the use of race-based adjustments to spirometry. According to new research, a significant percentage of black men found to have quote normal lung function after race-based adjustments to spirometry were actually found to have emphysema on their CT scans. Researchers say that it's standard practice to interpret results from spirometry using race-specific norms, which leads to a decrease in the predicted lower limit of quote normal FEV1 and FVC for black patients. They warn, however, that the practice of race correction has no biological basis. Researchers evaluated data from the CARDIA study, which followed over 2,500 black and white participants starting in 1985. They found that 14.6% of black male patients with, quote, above-normal spirometry based on race-specific equations were found to have emphysema on CT imaging. By comparison, that number was 1.7% of white male patients. Presenting author Dr. Gabriel Liu of Northwestern University School of Medicine said, quote, Black adults in the US are more likely to have unrecognized emphysema than white adults. Our traditional measures of lung health based on race specific spirometry may be considerably under recognizing impaired respiratory health in black individuals. Dr. Luke concluded quote, We feel these findings support reconsidering the use of race specific spirometry reference equations in favor of race neutral reference equations. And support further research into the utility and implications of incorporating CT imaging into the evaluation of those with suspected impaired respiratory health and normal spirometry. Researchers examining why so many patients screened, quote, high risk for lung cancer go on to delay follow-up screening found that 47% of these patients actually delay follow-up care. Researchers analyzed patients enrolled in a Seattle-based CT lung cancer screening program. The delay time was considered more than 30 days past the recommended follow-up and 30 days after initial screening for the highest risk patients who had very suspicious findings. According to their data, 397 patients had high risk findings. 59 patients or 15% were ultimately diagnosed with lung cancer. The median delay time was 91 days. However, those with the most severe findings had a delay time of 32 days. Current smokers also had longer delays than former smokers. Researchers were alarmed at the findings, noting that lung cancer remains the leading cause of cancer-related deaths. They said screening with low-dose CT scans is an evidence-based tool to reduce mortality in patients at the highest risk. Presenting author Dr. Aliwa Ahmed of the University of Washington School of Medicine said, quote, The fact that nearly half of all patients with abnormal findings in our study experience delays in follow-up is alarming. It is disconcerting to see that among those screened who have abnormal findings, there is a significant delay in a recommended follow-up. This could ultimately result in a delayed diagnosis of lung cancer. Dr. Ahmed warned, Interventions are needed at both the provider and patient levels to ensure that high-risk patients receive adequate follow-up. Nearly half of patients with severe uncontrolled asthma treated with the human monoclonal antibody test spire achieved significant and clinically relevant improvements in four response measures, according to data presented by Amgen and AstraZeneca at ATS 2022. Those response measures were exacerbation reduction, asthma control, lung function, and clinician assessment. Researchers analyzed data from the Phase 3 NAVIGATOR trial published in 2021. Using analysis from that study, 471 patients received TESSPIRE and 449 received placebo. According to analysis, the proportion of responders was higher in the test buyer group than in the placebo group for exacerbation reduction with 85.4% test buyer versus 67.5% placebo, asthma control questionnaire six total score, 86.9% test buyer group versus 76.6% placebo, improvement in baseline pre-op bronchodilator FEV1 which was 60.3% test fire versus 49.9% placebo group, and clinical global impression of change, CGI C score, which was 81.5% test buyer group compared to 67.7% in the placebo group. Researchers said that the proportion of those who received, who achieved, excuse me, who achieved significant improvement on all measures was higher in the test buyer group. 48.2% versus the placebo cohort, 25.3%. Presenting author Dr. Najira Logogo of the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor said, quote, across each measure, TESPIRE recipients were more than likely to have a response. The greatest difference observed was for exacerbation reduction. She also said that these study results can be used in shared decision-making between doctors and patients when discussing the start of TESPIRE therapy. In other pulmonology news, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends against COPD screening for people without signs or symptoms of the disease. The agency made the recommendation because screening asymptomatic patients for COPD, quote, does not improve overall health. The task force says the recommendation does not apply to the following groups: number one, people who have signs or symptoms of COPD; number two, people who were previously dis- diagnosed with COPD; or number three people who are at very high risk of COPD, including those with an inherited disorder that can cause COPD or workers exposed to certain toxins at their workplace. The agency emphasized that current and former smokers are at the highest risk of developing COPD, as well as people frequently exposed to pollutants like secondhand smoke, traffic pollution, or toxic chemicals. Task Force Chair Dr. Carol Mangione said, quote, while screening for COPD in people without symptoms is not recommended, healthcare professionals can still help prevent their patients from getting COPD. Most cases of COPD are caused by smoking, so it's essential healthcare professionals support their patients, including young people, in not starting to smoke and helping those who do smoke quit. Thanks everyone for joining the MedCorp Podcast Network. Again, this is Mike Frantantura with RT Magazine. We'll be back with more ATS news tomorrow. Thanks.